and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, June the 16th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness. And I am so grateful. Thank you for being with me as we open God's word for this first time. Brothers and sisters, this is the first time on a weekend. Now, I'll say it that way. On a weekend that we are back in ordinary time um, since the end of February. Now, okay, so that's March, April, May, and half of June. That is like three and a half months. That is over 100 days. We have been celebrating in these special ways and focusing in different ways, but we get back to this period of ordinary time. And my friends, we are going to be in this period of ordinary time now, all the way effectively until the beginning of Advent. Well, the Feast of Christ the King. So middle-ish toward the end of November. Um, there may be a feast or two that happens to fall on a weekend uh, along the way, but but really, we're in it. Now, that kind of sounds blasé, doesn't it? It's like, oh, mundane. It's, it's ordinary life. And if you look at a liturgical calendar of the church, most of the liturgical calendar falls into ordinary time. It is not what is called privilege time or the extraordinary time of Lent or Advent or Easter or Christmas or the Triduum uh, or these various feasts along the way. It is, it is ordinary time because you know what, brothers and sisters? Life is lived in the ordinary. Um, and, and this season is our, our longest season of the entire uh, church year, at least for Sundays. But again, I think... I think I think it, it brings us goodness, not an absence of Jesus, but in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of the ordinary, in the midst of routine, that's precisely where God is, because that is where we live our life. And the question for you and I is how do we open ourselves in the midst of the routine? in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of the ordinary, to experience that presence of God, to experience that gift, that grace of God, and to uh, be filled with it, to be motivated by it, uh, to be captivated and, 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 and enraptured by it, and in order to share that with others. That, that's, that, that makes it extraordinary but it's still within the ordinary. But there's nothing ordinary about a life with Jesus Christ. We need to know that. Much of our life may be routines. It may be day-to-day mundane. It may be what we call ordinary. We cannot live on vacation all the time. We cannot live in those moments of grief all the time. Too hard. Too hard. But that does not mean that we do not encounter the presence of Christ. And that makes that moment extraordinary. Uh, We're just going to read the gospel today. Goodness sakes, we're already like four, three and a half minutes into this. Haven't even gotten to the gospel. Uh, Yeah, it's it's so good. It's so good. And and again, pretty ordinary. You've heard it a hundred times. Matthew is right. We're in year A. So we're going to hear Matthew's gospel. Get used to it. We're going to be hearing it for the next, oh, five months. Uh, Matthew 9. So when we left ordinary time 100 days ago, 
gosh, we were just going into the Sermon on the Mount. It's so good. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. We barely got into 5 and we left it. So now we're in 9. You you might wonder, Joe, why don't they pick up where they left off? Hey, question for people wiser than I. I don't know why, but they presume like we would have kept going through that time, even though we were in privileged time of Lent and, and, and Easter. So anyway, long story short, I don't know. And uh, we're in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to chapter 10, verse 8. We'll use the New American Version if you want to follow along. But as always, hey, settle yourself, open yourself, invite the Spirit of God uh, to find root within you, that this um, encounter can be extraordinary, okay? So let's uh, break open God's Word. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon from Cana, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this really is good news. There is so much good news. And and, and again, this is is just filled with things we could be talking about. Want to make three points. I'm going to try to move through them effectively and efficiently. Um, Three points. And I want to start right out the bat with this first line. At the sight of the crowds. All right, this is Jesus. Uh, I didn't even do any back, you know, reference to find out exactly where he is. Let's presume he's, you know, out about, but that may not be. He may be in a synagogue here. But at the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Just sit with that, right? Just sit with that. Jesus sees the crowds for who and what they were. These were troubled and abandoned people, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, I I think of Dorothy Day, and I'm not going to quote this well, but Dorothy Day would always warn, do not romanticize the poor. Why? Because the poor uh, may be uneducated and may be not able to speak you know, eruditely about anything. And the poor 
may look disheveled and they may smell and they may be uh, put together poorly and they may have uh, poor manners and treat you badly. You know, they are the sick, the unclean, the poor, the possessed. I mean, goodness sakes. Let's, let's not romanticize what these poor are like, these ones that Jesus took pity on. And then the question is, do we see ourselves within them? Are we among them or are we separate from them? I'm going to use the words of Alice Camille. Now, these are wonderful. These are wonderful. You know, she talks about uh, the great banquet, how we're all called to it. But not everybody answers the request. Why? Because the great are out so busy uh, with the importance of being great that they don't have time to say yes. Okay, so where do we lie? Do we know we're poor and that we're in need? Do we know that, uh, that we are perhaps dysfunctional or disheveled? or uh, perhaps uh, aren't as erudite as we think we are. I've never used that word, and here I use it twice, you know, within a pod. But do do you know what I mean? Where do we see ourselves? On the inside of that crowd or on the outside of that crowd? Because that answer is really important. Don't romanticize the poor, but let's also not romanticize ourselves. You know, um, Alice Camille in the same... uh, you know, she's the one who talked about the, the greater up being great. So those were her words, and I love them. Um, but she talked in that same uh, paragraph about how she was mentoring a seminarian. The seminarian, you know, for every summer, they, they go into parishes. And she happened to be the supervisor of this one. And after two months of supervising this uh, seminarian, the seminarian came before her just exasperated, threw up his arms and said, these people at this parish, they are so dysfunctional. And Alice just smiled and said, yes, who did you think you were going to serve? Brothers and sisters, who do we think we're serving? Who do we think we are? Our God looks at us and sees who we are. And honestly, this is why this is good news, because we don't have to pretend. We don't have to put up walls or, or masks or hide behind, uh, you know, images or, or words or pieties. We can just be who we are. And our God sees us troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. This is good news because our God loves us as we are. Point number one. Point number two. I love this. Okay, so then Jesus says, hey, he prays. I mean, the harvest is abundant. The laborers are few. Ask the master of the harvest. Pray God will send out laborers for the harvest, right? But here's, here's what I love about this. So then he summons his 12 disciples. And he gave them over authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and cure every disease. And here are the names. I won't go over all 12 again, but you heard it. Simon called Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, etc., etc. Brothers and sisters, imagine we were sitting there on the next circle outside as Jesus called these 12 and said, you're the ones I'm going I'm to have go take care of this. Peter, 
James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, etc. Here's what I think. I think I'd be like, I knew Peter growing up. He was a snot-nosed kid. His brother Andrew really isn't the brightest bulb. How's he choosing those guys? Philip? I heard stories about him in the next town over. Bartholomew, did you see him in that softball game last week? That swing? He can't do anything. John, he's a, he, he's a mama's boy. Yeah. Here's my point. Don't we just kind of like, when we know them, when we know them, we're like, huh, no, nah, you can't be calling that one. You got, you got the wrong 12. Imagine 12 in your life, just 12, maybe of the best people you know, and that Jesus called them. And how would that be? We could probably find faults in every one of those 12 too. And I even am lightening it by saying probably. God uses imperfect people to bring about the kingdom. Let's just get that through our heads now. In calling us and in calling others. It happened then, and we just have 2,000 years of distance to look at that and say, they must be better than we are. Let me, let me fill you in on a secret. They weren't. They were just as bumbleheaded, just as fearful, just as uh, self-absorbed or uh, self-defeating as we are today. And here's what else I love about this, Right? Jesus looks with pity on the crowd, and he looks with pity on us, you and I. And again, we have to ask, which crowd are we in? Are we in the crowd or are the outside of it? And then he says, listen, pray to God that, you know, the, the harvest is, you know, what does he say here? I've already blown it. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. Ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers. But then does he rely on God to do the work? Does he sit there and say, okay, God, I've given this to you. I'm done. I'm out. This is your work, not mine. What he does as soon as he prays that prayer is he turns around and calls the 12. Brothers and sisters, prayer is a mystery to me. I've said that dozens of times. But here's what I know. I know that our prayer doesn't simply invite us to put it uh, before God and then say, okay, God, that's your work and not mine. Somehow, in God, through God, with God, now hear me correctly, somehow we have to make that our own too. We never do it apart from God. This is not okay, let's pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, we build the kingdom of God without God on our own down here. Absolutely false. That would be the worst thing, right? But somehow, God is got, he's got to use you and I. In the midst of our imperfections, in the midst of the softball swing or the mama's boys or girls that we are, all right? In the midst of our fear, in the midst of our bumbleheadedness, in the midst of whatever it is that we bring, because we bring plenty of things that are dysfunctional, just like the 12. But God is going to answer the prayers of the world through you and I. When God looked out at the world, he was troubled, or his heart was moved with pity because he saw the abandoned and those who were troubled. Do we see the same? Praise God if we do. 
because you've got the eyes of God and the heart of God. That's a great gift. That's a great gift. That's part one. Part two is, what are you going to do about that? doesn't have to be just you alone. Call your spouse. Call your best friend. Call somebody in the pew. They're going to be dysfunctional, just like you. But what are we going to do about it? Because somehow we have to, and I, and I can't go out and cure every type of disease or, or cast out unclean spirits. I don't even know what that means, really. But I know we're called to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and, and raise the dead somehow because there's something dead in somebody else. And if, and if my attention to them or your attention to them can help bring them life, there you go. Let that be a start. Let it be a start that your heart's moved with pity and you see them and maybe you're simply present to them so they don't feel abandoned. Why? Because you're standing by them. That's point two. Jesus didn't wait for God to do the work. He allowed the Spirit to fill him up in the prayer, somehow in the midst of that prayer, and he went out and did it. All right, point number one, don't, let's not romanticize the poor and where are we with them. And, 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 and God sees us, sees us right here. Point number two, uh, don't just rely on God to do the, the, the work. How does God use imperfect people? Because those 12 were. The last thing is, and this is a simple one, I love it. Last lines. As you go, he says, uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, as you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Here's the line I want you to hear. Without cost, you have received. Without cost, you are to give. Brothers and sisters, the kingdom of heaven is not some far, somewhere distant. You who have listened to me have heard me say that dozens of times as well. It is not in the hereafter. It is not when we die. It is here and now. Why? When? When we see the abandoned and we see those troubled and we stand with them and somehow cast out whatever demon is, is haunting them and bring them to life and helping those who are carry whatever illness and dysfunction to realize, hey, hey, you're not alone. Let me stand with you. You know, that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Don't romanticize it. Don't romanticize it. But that's what it looks like. And it's free. It's free. The, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God does not come when we earn God's love. When we have said whatever number of novenas or, or rosaries or done whatever uh, reparations that, that we are called to do. Listen, I hope you pray novenas and, and, and say rosaries and make reparations for, for the ills you've done. I think that's a response to God's love. But let's not, let's not do it to earn God's love. God's, God's grace is free. And we've been giving it, given it. Praise God for that. And freely we give it to whoever we see along the way. Maybe that's part of the point. Maybe we just have to take the time to see the crowds. They're there. They're abandoned. They're lost. They're sick. They're poor. They're ill. They're dysfunctional. And they are yearning for us. Are we going to wait for God to do it? Or will we allow that prayer to spur us to be the answer 
to the very prayer we give. Let's pray. We're moving into ordinary time, so let's just start all this uh, over, right? I mean, I've been popping around on the uh, on the rosary, so we're just going to start with the joyful today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Welcome back to this period of ordinary time. May it be a moment that is extraordinary in how we bring Christ with us. Be well, and God's peace.